Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. We are in the height of basketball season, despite my favorite team's best efforts. So I want to tell a story this afternoon about basketball. Recently, a 39-year-old woman passed away after a long battle with cancer. She had been in remission for some time, but the cancer returned with a vengeance, and she had been hospitalized for several days, and then one morning the decision was made to remove life support, and earthly life ended far too soon. She had a son named John, who was a senior on his high school basketball team, and the team had a game that very night. His coach called the hospital and offered that the team should forfeit the game. The other team's coach called as well and offered to cancel the game outright. That way, the John's team would not have a loss on their record. But John replied, no, tell the guys to go out and do their best. And so his coach went about his day preparing for the big game against what was their crosstown rival. And in the midst, all this in the midst of this horrible tragedy, the mood was subdued in the locker room and on the court, but the team honored John's words and played their heart out in honor of his mom. But then in the second quarter, who walks into the gym a little late, but suited up and ready to go, but John? The entire crowd, coaches and uh, assistants and uh, fans and friends all gathered round him, uh, so the crowd was so large that the, the referees had to po uh, stop the game because it was intruding onto the court. Then John walked up to his coach and through tear-stained eyes said, I want to play. There's only one small technical problem. His coach did not expect him to be there that night, so he had not entered his name into the official scorebook. And there's a rule of high school athletics that if your name is not in the official scorebook, then your team, and you go into the game, your team, uh, is given a technical foul, and the other team is given two points at the free throw line. The two coaches tried to appeal to the referees for some lenience considering the circumstance, but the rule was clear. A technical was issued, and a team, a player from the other team walked to the line. 
But instead of shooting the ball at the basket, this player decided to practice his bowling skills and rolled the ball on the ground towards the basket, obviously missing both shots. I did it for the guy who lost his mom, he said. It was the right thing to do. Everyone there stood and applauded. After that, John's team took the lead, and they won 64-47, and John matched his season average of 10 points. Sweet story. In the world of sports, especially in high school and college and minor league, they are, thankfully, not entirely rare. These players want to do the right thing, the fair thing, the sportsmanly-like thing to do. But that makes them no less heartening and heartwarming. And to paraphrase one commentator, it's stories like these that renew your faith in sports. I would call these transcendent moments. Moments when the regular, the mundane, the ordinary, and sometimes even the horrible and the tragic are surprisingly and miraculously elevated to a plane where good is the norm and faith and joy is restored. Those are those thin places, as the Celtics say, where heaven and earth seem very, very close and we receive a taste a glimpse of what heaven might actually be like. And so tonight, on this last Sunday after the Epiphany, the last Sunday before we begin the Pilgrim Way of Lent on this on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we hear the account in our Gospel of that prototypical thin place, the Transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain. Can you imagine being one of his apostles? One day you're walking along following this Jesus and suddenly Jesus says to three of you, let's take a walk. You say to yourselves, I wonder where we're going. This ministry business, it's hard. We have no money. We have no food. The people that we run into are all sick and needy and scared. I thought I signed up to follow a king, not wade into all this messy, earthly stuff. I wonder what Jesus is up to this time. Then you move off the beaten path and start to climb a mountain. Now, who said anything about a mountain? I've already been to the gym today. I don't need to climb a mountain. This is all very strange. And then you reach the top, and something even more amazing happens. You look up and the simple teacher you had followed for so many months has completely changed. Instead of tattered robes, he has become dazzling white and he shines like the noonday sun. He is beautiful and radiant and magnificent. And to top it all off, he's not alone, for two other shining prophets join him, Elijah and Moses. What are they doing here? And Jesus, he's talking to them and they're talking to Jesus. This is the most incredible thing I have ever seen. The transfiguration is incredible. Incredible because we see Jesus for who he truly is. God himself, the second person of the Trinity, the word that was with God and was God, the very incarnation of God's 
uh, unconditional love for each and every one of us. And that is incredible beyond words. But what is equally incredible is that this transfiguration, this moment when God and earth became so close, this moment happened among folks like you and me. We are going through the same stuff that those questioning, doubting apostles went through 2,000 years ago. They too had to deal with economic uncertainty and political strife and illness and family issues and fear and death and doubt. The apostles were as real as we are and they dealt with the same stuff that we do. But into their reality and into our reality, the transfiguration happens. The transfigure happens for us in the same way that it did for Peter and James and John. And if we look for it, the transfiguration can happen every day. Tom Long, a renowned professor at Emory University in Atlanta, once wrote, If we see Jesus for real on that mountain, we see ourselves for real too. If Jesus' ministry experienced rejection, failure, and violence, so did theirs. Down in their own valley, all they could see was their life and hope slipping away. But up on that mountain, they could see themselves in Jesus' light. They could see the cloud of God's care hovering over them and hear God calling them beloved. That cloud surrounds us, just as it did the disciples. And God speaks to us and says that we too our beloved. So in these uncertain times, amid all the stuff that weighs us down and can make us feel alone or unloved or anxious or scared, look for the transfiguration. Look for those places where God has come near. They don't have to happen on a mountain. They can happen on a basketball court or in your cubicle or over a cup of coffee, or sitting in the small hours of the morning, or holding a baby in your arms. Then God, as we will pray in our Eucharistic prayer this evening, will cause a new light to shine in our hearts. If you pay attention, when you least expect it, all will become dazzling white, and you know that everything will be okay because you and I are in the presence of the very God. Amen.